pharma, incomparably profound and minutely subtle, is rarely met with even in hundreds of thousands of millions of eons. We now can see this, listen to this, accept and hold this. May we completely understand and actualize this Tathagata's true meaning. Well, again, welcome everyone. Over the past few weeks, I've been thinking about our Sashin coming up uh, next Saturday, uh, full day Sashin, again from nine until four. We always found Sashin's really special. You know, just sitting in silence for an extended period of time together. And the other special part is uh, eating together in silence and chanting the Meal Sutra. And that's what made me think about uh, tonight's topic, mindful eating, where compassion and wisdom meet. Because when you hear the Meal Sutra, which I'm going to go through tonight, it really does ring with that theme of compassion and wisdom. <clears throat> so let me start first with a quote. And this is by Zen Master Dogen. At the very moment when we eat, we are possessed of ultimate reality, essence, substance, energy, activity, causation. So Dharma is eating and eating is Dharma. In the early centuries of Buddhism in Asia, Zen monks were primarily homeless wanderers, living a mindful ascetic life dedicated to maintaining and passing on the teachings. One of their few possessions was an eating bowl used to beg for their daily meal from the villagers and for whoever they met along the way on the road. Begging or alms actually existed before the Buddha's time, practiced by many religious sects, but the idea took on a larger meaning in Buddhism, where begging became an act of offering, an exchange between lay people and monks. It was a way for a lay person to support the monks and hopefully obtain merit. The development of a monastic system of practice during the 8th and 9th centuries included the creation of a formal communal eating style. In place of a single begging bowl, monks used a set of bowls and utensils kept together in a wrapping cloth. What evolved with time was a very precise and conscious way of eating that was first established by Zen Master Dogen. Today, we know it as Orioki. And out of this style of eating, Orioki, came the tea ceremony. Orioki is often translated as just the right amount. It is a highly choreographed ritual of serving and eating food, a ceremonial dance of giving, receiving, and appreciation. Practice with few variations throughout China and Japan was also adopted in Zen monasteries and Zen centers in America. Years ago at Pine Wind, we used to eat 
Horiyoki style during Sashin's. And it's my intent that we'll get back to that during Sashin's here as well. Practically speaking, Horiyoki is perhaps the most efficient and aesthetically pleasing and less wasteful way to feed a group of people seated in a zendo. Yet more specifically in arising from Master Dogen's insistence on blending the sacred and the mundane, Oriyoki unifies the act of routine eating and spiritual practice. It is essentially a state of mind, a way of being. In Oriyoki, there's no place for wasted or uneaten food. So when being served, you need to be mindful that the amount of food taken must be consumed right down to the last grain of rice. It must be just the right amount. In addition, the food is to be consumed in a mindful way so as not to make others wait. Because of this, it is important to gauge the level of hunger, the right amount of food that you will take. The meal is served, eaten, and the bowls are cleaned in silence. And part of the ritual is reciting the meal sutras. Once the food is gone, tea is poured into the bowls, and a spatula and rag are used to clean the bowls and the utensils. By the end of the meal, the bowls are cleaned, stacked, and wrapped in a knotted cloth, ready for the next meal. And this is conducted in such a way to allow for meditation while eating. Here's a story I'd like to share, um, kind of amusing in a way, um, but another way, not really. <clears throat> this is from a person, someone that was attending a sashin. I'm in a seven-day sashin at a Zen center in Minnesota. I have come here for almost 40 years now and have a profound appreciation for the deep core of Zen that can be practiced in this environment. Today, during Oriyoki, which is the procedure for a formal meal in the Zendo, I thought of a story I heard in the past. In the 1970s, I practiced at Dai Otsatsu Zendo for a few years and heard this story. Students had picked up Yastatani Roshi and were traveling in the car to get back to the monastery. Roshi was hungry and asked to have a meal on the road and pointed at a McDonald's and said, let's eat there. The students tried to discourage him, pointing to other places they could eat, but he still wanted to eat at McDonald's. They stopped and pulled into the parking lot. He bought a hamburger, fries, and a Coke. Proceeded to sit on the bench outside in the fresh air and do Oriyoki. He folded the paper wrapper into a lotus placemat. He arranged the food one, two, three, just across it, just like in the zendo. Then he ate with great care, mindfulness, and joy with his students. So you see, it's even possible to eat mindfully in the parking lot of McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Oriyoki requires mindful embodiment and alertness, moment to moment, from when the wrapped bowls are picked up at the beginning of the meal 
to when the bowls are tied up at the end of the meal. It involves complete attention from how the bowls are unknotted or untied, their placement, orientation of the utensils, the seated bow, receiving the food from the servers to reciting the meal sutras. Like Kinhin or walking meditation, Oriyoki is meditation in motion, meditation while eating. It requires that one be focused on all of the details. And this is what is typically stressed during a sashim. And it's attention to details. And if you explore the internet and look at some other Zen centers, um, one of the larger ones has a Oriyoki manual of 48 pages. All the excruciating detail. However, the real spirit of Oriyoki is rooted in the Meal Sutra that is part of Oriyoki, not the numerous details of the Oriyoki ceremony. It is about recognizing the fact that all we need is right in front of us, not just when we're eating, but in life as well. And that when we eat, we are sustained by other living beings, sentient, and non-sentient alike. So I'd like to share a reading, uh, a piece from, um, by John Dido Laurie. He passed away in 2009, but he's the founder of Zen Mountain Monastery up in the Catskills. And this is what he has to say about this. Oriyoki is not just a prescribed form of a ritual. It is a state of mind. It's not about three bowls or five bowls. It's not about chanting and bowing and bells. It's a state of consciousness. Because food is life, it is of utmost importance that we receive it with the deepest gratitude. When we eat, we consume life. Whether it's cabbages or cows, it's life. There isn't a meal that's taken by any creature, large or small, on the face of this great earth that's not done except at the expense of another creature's life. That's the nature of life on planet earth. We nourish and sustain each other with our lives. How can we not be grateful for the life that sustains us? How can we not wish to give back to the 10,000 things that which we receive? And it is in that process that the sacredness of taking a meal and the truth of the 10,000 dharmas is revealed. In the Vimalakirti Sutra, it is said that when a person is enlightened in their eating, all things are enlightened as well. If all dharmas are non-dual, the person in their eating is also non-dual. And this is what Master Dogen elaborates on. Indeed, Dharma is identified with one's eating, and one's eating is identified with Dharma. For this reason, if Dharma is the Dharma nature, then a meal also is the Dharma nature. Dharma is one of the three treasures of Buddhism, the Buddha, the Dharma, 
the Sangha. Buddha treasure is the historical Buddha, but it's also all sentient beings. Buddha means enlightened one. Dharma is the teaching of the Buddha. And at the same time, Dharma is the 10,000 things, the whole phenomenal universe. And Sangha is a community of practitioners of the Buddha's Dharma, and at once, all sentient beings. So Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha are at once the individual and the whole phenomenal universe. When Dogen talks about Dharma, nature here, he is talking about the teachings and the whole phenomenal universe. At the very moment we eat, we are possessed of ultimate reality, essence, substance, energy, activity, causation. We merge with the whole phenomenal universe. We're in a dynamic relationship with it. When we take a meal, we enter into the process of merging with everything that surrounds us. And I would add, we merge with everything that sustains us. When we eat, whether it's orioki, dharma sashin, at the dinner table at home, at McDonald's, or here in our community room down the hall, we are supported by other forms of life. I'd like to read the Jizawan Zen Community Meal Sutra. It's quite beautiful. It's used for both orioki and when we eat in a more casual way. And after the sutra, uh, I'm going to elaborate on a few of the points in it. So this is before the meal. This is what the leader, the chant leader, recites. The joys and pains of all beings are present in the gift of this food. Let us receive it in love and gratitude and in mindfulness for sisters and brothers among living beings of every kind who are hungry or homeless sick or injured or suffering in any way. And everyone, blessed be the earth for giving birth to this food. Blessed be the sun for nourishing it. Blessed be the wind for carrying its seed. Blessed be the rain for quenching its thirst. Blessed be the hand that helped to grow this food, to bring it to each of us, to nourish our minds, bodies, and spirits so that we may realize the path of compassion, wisdom, and loving kindness. Blessed be our friends, our families, and our loved ones. Blessed be Buddha, blessed be the Dharma, blessed be the Sangha. And then at this point, the chant leader, we all grab the bowl and we hold it up. Of all you hungry ghosts, we now offer you this food. May all of you everywhere share it with us together. And then all of us recite, this food is a gift of the whole universe. Each morsel is a sacrifice of life. May I be worthy to receive it. May the energy in this food give me the strength to transform my unwholesome qualities into wholesome ones. I am grateful for this food. May I realize the path of awakening for the sake of all beings. And then there's four lines that we all chant, which is the Sino-Japanese, and I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And then we eat, and then comes the point to wash our bowls during a sashim. And the chant leader recites, 
We wash our bowls in this tea. It has the flavor of ambrosial dew. We offer it to all hungry ghosts. May all be filled and satisfied. And then everyone, our bodies are now sustained with the gift of this food. May our hearts be nourished with true friendship of the third brilliant jewel and our minds fed with truth. And then the leader, chant leader, the world is like an empty sky. The lotus flower does not adhere to water. Our minds surpassing that impurity, we offer veneration to the most exalted ones. And then everyone, as the lotus flower does not adhere to water, we will feel no rain, for each of us will be shelter for the other. We will feel no cold, for each of us will be warmth for each other. There will be no more loneliness, for each of us will be companion to the other. There's only one path before us, for the Bodhisattva knows only one way. And no matter how endless the path will be, we vow to follow it. There's only one life before us, and our seasons will be long and good. This is our prayer. This is our intention for each other, our family, friends, and all the many beings. And then there's four lines in Sino-Japanese that we chant together. Very beautiful. So the first part, you know, chanted before the meal or recited before the meal by the chant leader. The joys and pains of all beings are present in the gift of this food. Let us receive it in love and gratitude and mindfulness of our sisters and brothers among living beings of every kind who are hungry or homeless, sick or injured, or suffering in any way. This part of the sutra is asking us to eat with the mind of bodhicitta, to eat with an attitude of a bodhisattva, and to eat as one who makes the compassionate vow to relieve suffering, as the sutra says, of all living beings of every kind. Then everyone recites, blessed be the earth for giving birth to this food. Blessed be the sun for nourishing it. Blessed be the wind for carrying its seed. Blessed be the rain for quenching its thirst. Blessed be the hands that help to grow this food, to bring it to each of us, to nourish our minds, bodies, and spirits, so that we may realize the path of compassion, wisdom, and loving kindness. Blessed be our friends, our families, and our loved ones. Blessed be the Buddha. Blessed be the Dharma. Blessed be, be the Sangha. This part of the sutra asks us to be grateful for all of the factors that brought this food to us. It is the bedrock teaching of the Heart Sutra. It is about interdependent co-origination. In other words, the food that we're eating at that time is only contingent on the nutrients in the soil, the sun, which without no food, no life, the rain, the water that's needed to grow the food that supports us, the farmers that planted the food and maintained it while the laborers spent time in many cases in the blistering sun picking the food. And then the truckers 
that brought it to ShopRite and all the other steps in between. With the support of our family, friend, and loved one. And this part concludes with recognition of the three treasures. Blessed be the Buddha, blessed be the Dharma, blessed be the Sangha. Then the chant leader, of all you hungry ghosts, we now offer you this food. May all of you everywhere share it with us together. According to ancient Buddhist teachings, all living beings are born into one of six states of existence. One of the lower states is the hungry ghost realm. Hungry ghosts are often described quite vividly. Uh, they are said to have necks as thin as needles, so very little food can pass through. And they have distended bellies, so they are starving. The hungry ghost, or the state of being that it represents, is something found inside all of us, whether we realize it or not. The type of hungry ghost may be different for each of us, but the energy behind the hunger is the same. There is something we crave, something we feel that we desperately need to be content. We're always wanting something. It's just a fundamental aspect of being human. In this part of the sutra, when we raise the bowls and make this symbolic offering to bring an end to this craving that we all have. Next, everyone recites, this food is a gift of the whole universe. Each morsel is a sacrifice of life. May I be worthy to receive it. May the energy in this food give me the strength to transform my unwholesome qualities into wholesome ones. I am grateful for this food. May I realize the path of awakening for the sake of all being. This food is a gift of the whole universe. This is stating once again, the interdependent co-origination or nature, <clears throat> excuse me, of all that exists. Because food is life, it is of utmost importance that we receive it with the deepest gratitude. Because when we eat, it's at the expense of another form of life. The other part of part uh, in this meal sutra, in this paragraph, may I realize the path of awakening for the sake of all beings. This could be stated as, may I become a bodhisattva for the sake of all beings. It is the vow of a bodhisattva. And then we get to the four lines at the end before we eat, that's in Sino-Japanese. And let me, and there's no, when we have the Mil Sutra, there's really no description what this really means. So then we recite, Iku, Idan, Isayaku. What that means is the first morsel is to destroy all evils. Next line. Niku then. The second morsel is to practice all good deeds. Sangu 
The third morsel to save all sentient beings. May we all attain the path of Buddhahood. So let me repeat the first three lines. The first morsel is to destroy all evils. The second morsel is to practice all good deeds. The third morsel is to save all sentient beings. This should sound pretty familiar. It's the three pure precepts. And in the last line, may we all attain the path of Buddhahood. And then we eat, and at the end of the meal, you know, the chant leader, the world is like an empty sky. This lo the lotus flower does not adhere to order. Our minds surpassing that in purity, we offer veneration to the most exalted ones. This is a beautiful statement of the core teachings of the Heart Sutra, emptiness and the power of the mind. The world is like an empty sky. The sky is vast, wide open for anything that enters it. Our minds surpassing that impurity. Our minds surpassing that impurity. In other words, big mind, a mind free of attachments, ideas, concepts, an empty sky. We offer veneration to the most exalted ones. We offer veneration to those that have attained insight into the nature of things and have become enlightened. And then all of us recite, as the lotus flower does not adhere to water, we feel no rain. For each of us will be shelter for the other. We will feel no cold, for each of us will be warmth for each other. There will be no more loneliness, for each of us will be a companion to the other. This is a statement of the power of Sangha, or the spiritual community, the third of the three treasures, taking refuge in the Sangha. And the last paragraph of this meal sutra. There is only one path before us, for the Bodhisattva knows only one way. And no matter how endless the path will be, we vow to follow it. There is only one life before us, and our seasons will be long and good. This is our prayer. This is our intention. For each other, our family, friends, and all the many beings. This closing paragraph is more of a Buddhist blessing and prayer. And then we get to the last four lines of the sutra that's in Sino-Japanese again. And really, what it really is, is the four great vows in Sino-Japanese. However innumerable all beings are, 
I vow to love them all. Uno However inexhaustible desires are, I vow to extinguish them all. However immeasurable the truth is, I vow to master it. However endless the way is, I vow to follow it. So this sutra, the meal sutra, is a distillation of the Bodhisattva ideal and the Heart Sutra. And it's all about eating. I mean, I can't think of any other religious organization that spends so much time chanting and embracing what you're about to eat. In conclusion, our meal sutra is emerging of the teachings of compassion and wisdom. It's essentially where the Bodhisattva ideal meets the Heart Sutra. That which is just enough is a mindful approach to eating and living. It is a relationship, a connection with all things, and an awareness of the ways that food, both spiritually and physically, comes to us. When we practice the way of, a, of the Bodhisattva, we give from our true nature. The path of mindful eating is a compassionate and viable course. If we understand, we have a choice to take complete responsibility for our lives and our actions. We can make a difference in this world, not just for ourselves, but for the people we love and care for, and in a larger sense, for the earth, its resources, and the living things that sustain us. As always, be interested in hearing your thoughts, comments, or questions. <clears throat> First of all, I just want to thank you. This was a beautiful teaching which really adds just such amazing depth to to the mealtime sutra and to the entire ritual of eating that we practice in Zen. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful teaching, beautiful explanation of what that actually is when we do it. Uh, but also I wanted to comment, I, I'm reminded we live in such a fast-paced society where we do everything so quickly, including eating, consume mm -hmm. our food so quickly without giving much thought to it. But I'm really reminded as you as you went through this beautiful uh, ritual and this beautiful sutra, how so many of the indigenous cultures, uh, really all over the world, not just here in America, but indigenous cultures everywhere, how they had, I, I think, that, that deep, deep gratitude and that connection with the entire earth and with all sentient life forms and how they, how they would, uh, perhaps uh, hunt or kill and then prepare uh, and offer uh, that food and receive that food in such a similar way with such, uh, with such depth 
uh, and such a, a respect uh, and a connection for the earth and for all all life forms. Uh, and I, I was very much reminded of that, of how, how those indigenous cultures all over the world really, really had that so so many years ago, so many centuries ago, and it's it's been so lost in this modern era, in this modern culture, in the way that we consume food, the way we consume everything else without without mindfulness at all, without giving any thought to to what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the significance of it is. Thank you, sister. Thank you, man. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, unlike you know the Heart Sutra and the uh, Dharani that we chant. You know, we chanted every Wednesday, chanted during liturgy, uh, during sashins. But really, the, the mealtime sutra, you know, except for sashins, it's kind of forgotten about. You know, and it's really so important. Um, because as I said a few times, it's really both the Heart Sutra and the Bodhisattva ideal all in one place. And, you know, eating. Um, yeah, I just say, you know, we just kind of blow through eating these days. And don't even think about all the steps that got it to us to sustain us. I know, you know, growing up, you know, we had, we weren't, we weren't very religious, but you know, we had, you know, a saying that we would do on occasion before we would eat. But you're sitting there and the food's in front of you and you're smelling it. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that reciting didn't mean anything. I mean, it was all about getting to the food. But not so, you know, when we sit in community in the silence of a sashim and uh, eat together. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Just a more of a practical question. Um, where does uh, Zen fall when it comes to vegetarianism? Uh, I'm sure it varies a little bit. Just curiosity. Yeah, we don't, you know, promote vegetarianism per se, and many people in our community are vegetarians vegans um, are mindful when they eat you know meat they might cut back on meat you know um, but it isn't you know it's not stated that everybody has to be a vegetarian and a good example of that is you know his holiness the Dalai Lama He's not a vegetarian and neither are the monks high up in the in the mountains because if they tried to be a vegetarian, they wouldn't be surviving. Mm -hmm. Because you just can't grow stuff up there. So it's about eating a lot of yak. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there really isn't a hard and fast rule. Anyone else? Last call. Sensei, thank you. Speak. Uh, just a, a minor insight that you shared uh, um, before talking about the sutra itself. Uh, you were talking about um, the hungry ghosts, 
And I've always thought of that idea as, you know, something external to us, like just uh, personification of greed and, um, you know, something that, that can't be satisfied, essentially. Um, so, you know, I thought it, as, as a, something outside of us, you know, I think of like, you know, the CEOs or, or someone that has more wealth than they can possibly ever spend in their lifetime. And it's, you know, kind of a never ending chasm that needs to be filled. But uh, the point you made tonight, which I thought was uh, interesting, very relevant, was that uh, we all have our hungry ghosts and these, you know, these uh, needs that we we want to fill, um, and that uh, you know that's something that we, I think, over time we come to recognize what those are, mm. and uh, you know, part of what this practice is about is, uh, you know, giving that uh, realization space to <laughs> to occur, so mm -hmm. that we can. Uh, address those uh, 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 unskillful <laughs> behaviors, <laughs> let's say. So, thank you. Thank you, Franco. Yeah, the hungry ghosts. I mean, we all have them in different ways, you know. Um, quite a few years ago, um, my wife's boss had the ability to have like a one week vacation in Lake Tahoe. And he couldn't make it. So he gave you know the whole week to Faye and I. And you know, in the hotel that we were staying in, it was quite a spread. They had all the gambling machines, they had all the slot machines in the hotel. And you go there, you know, in the next room over, you have breakfast, and there's people pulling the slots, <laughs> lunch, pulling the slots. Supper pulling the slots. Three o'clock in the morning, pulling the slots. So one day, uh, one night, I just couldn't sleep. So I was kind of like just walking around. And, and there's this room filled with people, slot machines. And I said, look at this. Hungry ghosts, three o'clock in the morning. Here they are. And we all have it, you know, some way or other. I mean, even Jizo statue behind us he has a staff and on the staff there's six rings mm. and those six rings represent the six realms of um that again according to ancient teachings that one would find themselves in in the next life you know basically from the higher realm of almost a god down to the hell realm uh, so jizo bodhisattva you know he operates in all six realms looking for ways to save uh, women and children and i always when i look at that uh jizo holding the staff of the six rings um, i think of those realms and in the hungry ghost realm mm. that we're all in anyone else Did you have a did I see your hand up, Peter? No, but I, I'll share a little bit. Thank you. Okay. Um, just what you talked that was a, that was beautiful. I thought too. I never I looked at it that way before. And um, 
it just sounded like each stage someone was giving something to sustain the next stage and that there were many stages along the way from the planning of the food to delivering it to preparing it um it, it just made me think about giving um i mean the buddha has given us treasures uh, to follow and um and i think too it's i i just feel a gratitude of receiving those treasures too, uh, the, the food. Um, that's just my feeling of what I get inside. Okay. Giving and there's gratitude and to pass it along, you know, share it with others. Uh, so as to complete the circle, to continue the circle. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. So last call for anyone on Zoom. Okay. So we'll close with the great vows and a benefit for all. However, all beings are. I vow to love them all. However inexhaustible desires are, I vow to extinguish them all. However immeasurable the truth is, I vow to master it. However endless the way is, I vow to follow it. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with oceans to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. Let me respectfully remind you, birth and death is the supreme matter. Everything is of the nature of impermanence. Gone, gone, forever gone. Opportunity is too often lost. Do not squander your life. Everyone have a safe trip home. Good night, everyone.